Hey, welcome again to the NPFCC Messages podcast. You're about to listen to one of the messages in a five-part series called One Another, where we do a deep dive into how we really experience biblical community. If you're new to our church, one of our three primary vision statements is experience community, because we believe that you absolutely cannot grow into the person God has created you to become without other followers of Jesus around you. So with that said, though we love that you're listening to this podcast, we hope that you actually process this content in community. So if you're not a part of a life group yet, we cannot encourage you enough to jump into one. So head to npfcc.org slash lifegroups to learn more. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's give them another round of applause. Come on. Great worship team. Man, I wanted to try something different this morning, and let me tell you, it was well worth it. I uh, was in the back of the stage, actually, right now, and just listening to you, and let me tell you, I hope heaven sounds this way. You guys sounded amazing. And so, you know, in the spirit of what we're doing, you know, this morning, I just want to continue with that and hear your voice this morning. And so I want to kindly ask you to help me out, and I'm going to say welcome to NPFCC, the best place to be, and I need you to out loud say on Sunday morning. You guys ready for that? Okay, again, I'm going to practice with you. I'm going to say, hey, welcome to MPFCC, the best place to be. Okay, now I need heaven to hear you though. You guys ready? All right. Hey, everybody, welcome to MPFCC, the best place to be. (laughs) You all sound amazing. Thank you for participating. Well, hey, if you're watching online or if you're here live, or if you're watching the replay later sometime this week, uh, welcome. Welcome to MPFCC, Newberry Park First Christian Church. Um, I am one of the pastors here on staff, and it is so good to be here once again on this stage, being able to share with you, you know, God's word this morning. So my name is Juan Palomino, and I get to serve as the executive pastor here at this amazing church. And so today we are in week three of our series called one another. And so there's over 50 one another's statements in the Bible that instruct us to live these radical counterculture lives. And they also teach us how to really experience community the way that Jesus did. And my assignment today is to present to you or teach you what this forgive one another is all about. And I, and I just want to, you know, before I start my message, I want to encourage you that if you missed any of the previous messages, there's two right before me, uh, check them out on YouTube, on our YouTube channel at MPFCC. You know, Pastor Ken did a phenomenal job teaching about loving one another. And last week, if you missed it, man, Pastor Devin did a fantastic job uh, teaching us what it means to greet one another with a holy kiss, especially if you have an uncle, a so-called uncle named Anoush. If you're like, what is Pastor Juan talking about? You missed it. Let me tell you. But you won't miss it for long. Go to, go to the YouTube channel and check out Uncle Anoush. It was a fantastic message. Greeting one another with a holy sloppy kiss, right? Awesome. All right. Well, let me pray, and then uh, we'll, get, we'll dive into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you. We want to ask you, God, just like we, we sang today, that you will never fail. We want to put our trust in you, God, and not lean on our own understanding when it comes to our fallible ways. 
And so help us to experience freedom, healing, deliverance, and health to our bodies. But also, God, we want to pray for our families that may not be here today. Help us to faithfully continue on this straight and narrow path, which leads to eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So I want to continue with what Pastor Devin talked about, you know, last week. He did touch on what the vision of our church is here at MPFCC. And the vision of our church is simply this. We want to help people encounter God, experience community, and also extend compassion. Now, I'm going to focus a little bit on that experience community part because uh, we all experience community in different parts of our lives, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, and of course, here at church. Now, sometimes, if we, if we can all agree, even if you just give me a little nod, we can experience community and we will disagree with one another. We will also argue with one another. I don't know if you, you know these one another's, or maybe you practice them well like I do, right? We will disappoint one another. We will offend one another. Why? I don't know about y'all experience, or let me say like Texas, all y'all's experience, but there are no perfect people. No one said amen. All right, well, hey, wrong church. Okay, perfect people, right? Listen, there are no perfect people allowed at MPFCC. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, beautiful. I am in the right place. Okay. And so again, sometimes when we experience community, there's all these things that happen. And when we experience these things, well, thank, thank God, literally, that we have the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. And Ephesians chapter 4, we're just going to dive right into this. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul in verse 26, I like the message translation, says it this way. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Oh, come on, Paul. Come on. And don't stay angry. It's like he continues saying this, right? And then he goes, don't go to bed angry. Oh, my word. And here's, here's the key verse. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Amen. Mm. So I want to talk to you a little bit about hell. I mean, shall we? I mean, why not? I mean, we're, we believe in heaven, and guess what? There's this place called hell. And from my understanding of the scriptures, this is a place, hell, where people go to that are unforgiven. They're not forgiven. Hell is a place, everyone, where devil, the Satan, never forgives anyone for anything. Let me repeat that. The devil, Satan himself, never forgives anyone for anything. So if we act like our adversary, well, guess what? We literally are pulling up hell into our lives. And when we do that, we live in and invite bitterness. We invite anger. We invite rage and slander and brawling. And if you continue in that chapter, verse, verse 30, it says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom we were sealed with for the day of redemption. How many of you are so excited that we're going to be redeemed? Come on, redemption, right? Yes, yes. So the question, oh, I should say we have two options, right? Here's the two options. We can forgive and invite the Spirit of God and heaven into our lives, which he gives us the miraculous power called grace and mercy to forgive and to heal. 
Or you have the opposite, right? The other choice, you can choose to live in unforgiveness, which includes bitterness, resentment, and inviting hell, pulling up hell into your life. So the question that I want every single one of us here under my voice and those watching online is you got to answer this during my message, not after, not at lunch, at Country Harvest, right? Am I going to continue to live like hell here on earth, being bitter, resentful, and angry? Or am I going to reach up into heaven? Come on, somebody. Reach up into heaven, pull heaven down, and experience joy, peace, and love. Anybody want some of that? Okay. All 16 of you. Fantastic. All right. Now, I, I, I don't know if you know all this, I mean, or any of this, but, you know, I, I, was, I was reading this again. There's a lot of talk about Satan and demons when it comes to unforgiveness. But there's also the Holy Spirit and forgiveness when we talk about forgiveness in the Bible. And so for those of you that are new and, and don't know a little bit about my story, don't worry, I won't bore you with the whole thing. I just want to kind of set this up on why I'm kind of an expert at unforgiveness for a while and then why how God has worked through me to forgive. I had two major events in my life happen. And I, I want you to think of events that have happened in your life as you hear my events. One of the major events that happened in my life is, you know, I started fornicating, having sex before marriage at a very young age, 16, 17, 18 years old, which led to that girlfriend of mine to get uh, pregnant and her mom made the unwise decision to take her to an abortion clinic. And our child's in heaven. The second major event that happened in my life, um, my father uh, grabbed his bag one day and said, hey, I can't change. And so instead of continuing to hurt you, your sisters and your mom, I'm just going to up and leave. And so these two major events led to a lot of bitterness, resentment, and anger. And they, I guess you could say they shaped and formed me in my young adult years and it also led to a lot of damage because of unforgiveness that I had. And so I want to get right into it. You know, here, here's, what I, I, here's what I'm going to do today, okay? Because hurt people hurt people. I'm going to teach on and talk to you a little bit about what forgiveness is not first because, I mean, you know, why not? Let's talk about that because I want you to really sit and dwell and check your heart and mind to see where do you have any unforgiveness. But the Bible tells us, everyone, not only to be hearers of the word, to be doers of it. And so I want you this morning, my hope and prayer all week has been that you don't walk away just by hearing something that sounded cool or good or, wow, I didn't know that about Pastor Juan. And that's not the message today is I want you to walk away with application. In other words, when you leave those double doors, and get into your car that you are applying this to your life. Can I get amen to that, everyone? Okay, all right. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. If not, don't worry, or your app or your phone. I'm gonna have the verses on the screen. And we're gonna go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 14 says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. It's like Paul had to say that twice, <laughs> right? Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. 
You know what I've found in my life, I'm just gonna be completely honest, is that blessing someone is the proof that you have forgiven them. You can't bless someone, everybody, until after you have forgiven them. Blessing, in other words, is the testing of forgiving them. And many folks say, you know what, Pastor, what? oh, I've, I've forgiven them. But if you ask them, okay, uh, you've forgiven them? Okay, do you wish them well? Well, you know, so I don't know about all that, you know, so. Uh, and if you ask them, do you wish them well? And pray for them. Oof. Then you haven't forgiven them. Blessing is the proof that you've forgiven them. So then it says again, bless and do not curse. Anybody really good at comebacks? Like when, when someone like offends you and you're just like, you're quick with it, right? Good comebacks. No one in church, everybody's like, mm -mm, I'm not going to confess that today, this morning. Have you ever had a friend? Let me say this. Have, have you ever had a friend who is really good at counter punching, right? You just go, man, they're fast with it. Somebody offends them and they're like, bah, 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 and you're like, you know, I'm not. I, I, I could be in the shower two days later and going, I should have said this. <laughs> ah, I should have said that. How can I set up that scenario again one day in the future? No, I'm just kidding. At the office, right? At the office, right? Uh -huh. You know, Romans 12, let's go further down, 16 through 19 says this, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud. Oof. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone. And here's where we're going to focus the rest of our time together. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with what? Everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for who? God's wrath, for it is written, oh, thank you, God Almighty. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. How many of you just, that, that brings a little peace to you this morning saying, okay, cool. All right. Okay, so let's get into it. I'm gonna give you about three to four points of what forgiveness is not, okay? Point number one, forgiveness is not ignoring, denying, enabling, or allowing what happened to you to continue. See, if someone is not respecting your boundaries, right, the way they talk to you or what they say, you know, or what they do and they don't stop, let me ask you a question, church, should you ignore that and move on? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I don't know. We're Christians. You know, I don't, you know, Jesus said, forgive them. Yeah. Should you deny it to yourself or others and not deal with the reality? No. You're almost convincing me. Hang in there. Should you enable them and allow it to continue without reinforcing or setting healthy boundaries? No. Okay, we're almost there. Well, listen, I, I've been in recovery for 10 years dealing with all sorts of issues with folks. Forgiving someone is not allowing that person to continue to sin against you. But it's forgiving the sin the person did or said to you up to that point. For example, your argument this morning to church. Oh, it got really quiet. How did he know that we argued on the way to church? I don't know. Too soon, huh? All right, let me flip the page. Some folks that, that I meet say, hey, pastor, you know, I, I've, I've truly forgiven them already. I've, I've, for, I've forgiven them over 
and over again. And then I ask, okay, but are you allowing them to continue to do the evil? In other words, the sin against you. And let me tell you, as, as faithful believers in Christ, many of us continue to allow people with their dysfunction in our lives to continue to do what they always do. And here's the thing, if you are, then you're not loving them. Some of you need to hear this again, especially grandparents. You're not loving them. You are not helping them. You are enabling your kids and grandkids to continue to do, or your spouse, what they normally do, their dysfunction. And so that leads to point number two. Forgiveness is not enabling someone to continue to harm you or others. Again, even if it's your spouse, your kids or grandkids, look, I've had the opportunity for 10 years of my life to have a front row seat, everybody, and witness the power of God, literally the power of God, not me or them, power of God transform people from being codependent. And what is codependency? Well, let me read you the definition. That is when you seek the approval or validation that comes from another person and you allow them to control or manipulate you. And so you, as a Christian, you compromise your values, your choices, and your behavior at the expense of their well-being. Oh, it is quiet in here because it rings true. It rings true. But can I tell y'all something? I'm I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ that's in recovery myself. And I've seen God transform folks to their self-worth in Christ Jesus. What have I seen? I've seen God learn to to help people learn to recognize and enforce healthy boundaries and not allow others to compromise their boundaries. I've seen the power of God teach people to learn to help others in suitable ways, in suitable ways without rescuing or fixing them. I've seen the power of God teach people and and, and learn how to take care of, listen, you got to take care of yourself. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, may I say financially? Again, what is forgiveness? You know, I love what what Dr. Henry Cloud said uh, and asked one day of a group of 3,500 people. He said, it was a joke. He said, how do you know you're codependent? And everyone was kind of sitting there. He says, when someone else's life flashes before you when you're about to die. I'm glad you guys are catching. It's like a wave. Oh, I caught it now. Oh, oh, yeah. Did you guys catch that? Someone else's life flashes before you die, not yours. So what is forgiveness, Pastor Juan? Forgiving someone for what they've done, but it's not enabling them to continue to do which is wrong. Point three, we're going fast. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Anybody ever heard somebody say, you know, you got to forgive and forget. We've probably said it ourselves. Just forgive and forget. Then others come to me and say, you know what, Pastor? I've I've forgiven, but man, it's hard to forget. Amen? Amen. I've forgiven, but it's hard to forget. When will I be able to forget the offense, what they did or said to me? When will I be able to no longer think about what that person did or said to me? Can I tell you guys something? You know, if if you read the scripture, God never forgets. He is what? Omniscient. He is all-knowing. But 
as a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, I am so grateful that he forgives when we confess and repent our sins. But I'm also, listen, God never forgets, but listen to me, he chooses, he chooses not to have our sin at the forefront of his thinking. What about you? You know, I forgave my mother-in-law a few years ago. Have I forgotten what she did? No. But I forgave her. You know, I chose, I made a hard decision to forgive her for, let's call it what it is, for murdering my child. I made a hard decision to truly forgive my father when he chose to abandon us. The real question I'm asking you right now is, are you ruminating? Are you always thinking about the offense or the offender? Does it live in the forefront of your mind? Have you truly forgiven them? Okay, so let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Anybody married or in a relationship? Oh man, here you go. Pastor had to go there. Here we go. Okay, right. Okay. Have you ever held on to something that your spouse did or your significant other did many years ago. And, and when there's this argument that comes up, right? There's a new argument that comes up. You have the card that goes, ha! Remember when you did this? Oh, hey, oh, hey. Remember when you did that? And your spouse is like, bro, that was 10 years ago. That was 25 years ago, right? You pull out that card, man. And, and not only that, but it's always in the forefront. So when you're in a, a women's group Bible study, oh, here you go. Or you're in a men's Bible study, guys. You're like, you know what my wife did and what she said. And, and, and you're, everyone's like, wow, okay, let's pray for you. Yeah, it's been 25 years he did that. <laughs> so let me give you one more. Forgiveness is not, here's a big one, trusting and reconciling. Forgiveness is not trusting and reconciling. Listen, I, I have a friend that, that I met 10 years ago and uh, grew up with a single mom with a younger brother and mom had to work. And so mom, what she would do, because she had to go to work full time, she would drop off the kids at aunt's house with step uncle and yep, they were abused. Step uncle decided to step over boundaries and abuse him and his little brother. And my friend, by the grace of God, you know, later forgave him. That's a miracle in itself. Amen. He forgave him when he became a Christian. And so my friend today, years later, is married and has kids. Now, let me ask you an obvious question. Do you think my friend is going to feel comfortable or safe dropping off his kids at aunt and uncle's house for them to be babysat over there? Oh, I need a resounding no. Okay. Trusting and reconciling are two different things. See, you can forgive people. Forgiveness, everyone is free, but trust is earned. You know, some of the people that you've forgiven are still not trustworthy. They're still not trustworthy. And some of them, it's just real, it's family. It's family. It's family. And the sad truth is that this is where most of us as Christians, we lose our discernment. We lose our discernment, right? We misjudge. We don't listen to that gut feeling. 
But can I tell you guys something? That's the Holy Spirit if you're a born-again Christian. And guess what? There's only born-again Christians. That means that you're literally not obeying the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit tells you, don't trust them. Set a hard boundary. I've seen people literally allow their families to say or do things that we would not allow strangers to do. Forgiveness, everyone, can be in an instant, but trust is earned over time. So let me give you another scenario about trusting and reconciling. We've had couples come to celebrate recovery. We've been doing this for a decade. And there was two couples that came many, many years ago to a different church at, at a celebrate recovery that we launched. And they came in, they were, re- they were at divorce, y'all like financial issues, like, I don't even want to see this person anymore. Like, we're going to give this a shot. We are doing biblical counseling. We're going to therapy, but we're also going to do celebrate recovery. So the men met with me. The ladies met with my wife and other people, other females. And let me just say this, this little caveat. This was a guy was a fireman and the other guy was a sheriff. And I say that out loud because sometimes as church people, we think, oh, it's those people that only have issues. It ain't me. I'm a professional. I have high education. I'm doing well. I live in Newbury Park. No, 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 no. People are people. And so I say that because, again, this was a firefighter and this was a sheriff. That, and, and I don't know if you guys know the statistics, but 60 to 75% is the divorce rate for first responders. It's high. So if you have a friend or know someone that is a first responder, hey, tell them there's a place called Celebrate Recovery. There is healing. So anyways, I want you to know that three years later, both of these couples, the firemen and the sheriff, reconciled their relationships only by the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, working the program, and we were able to do both of their wedding renewing their vows. One applause, great. Listen, just because we forgive doesn't mean that we automatically need to trust them or reconcile with them. It takes time. It takes time. But again, there's folks that that we can forgive and not do life with anymore or the same way that you used to. And so because of time restraints, I really shortened this message because I don't want to keep you long and I know it's a heavier message to, to take in. Um, I want you to know that I'm doing a special workshop and this workshop is going to be Sunday, August 27th after church. We're having lunch. A, a big group of uh, CR folks are going to be there. It's a workshop on forgiveness because I'm only giving you a couple points on forgiveness, what it is and what isn't, but I have like 13, 14 points and I don't know about y'all, but I get hungry and, and I want to eat. But I want to invite you, August 27th from 12 to 1.30, and we have lunch. We're going to send an email out, and you can confirm that you'll be there, and we'll have lunch for you. Um, let us know, because it, it, it will bless you. Because the other part that we're terrible at as people is making amends. We don't know how to make amends with people. And so I'm going to have that workshop from 12 to 1.30, uh, August 27th. Deal? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So what is unforgiveness? It's hell. <laughs> Why? Because only unforgiving people go there. Nobody in hell is forgiven and nobody in hell forgives anyone. Okay, so what is forgiveness? Somebody say with me, heaven. Heaven, that's what forgiveness is, right? 
Okay, and so where people are forgiven and people forgive one another. Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said this, if you forgive others their transgressions, transgressions, your heavenly father will. Who said it? Jesus. It's pretty important. Key word, everybody, in there is heavenly. So where is Jesus? Again? Oh, okay. And what does he say we ought to do? We want to be forgiven and, and go to heaven? <laughs> forgive. We have to forgive, right? We have to forgive. All right, point number one, really quick. What is forgiveness? It's forgiving a debt that's owed to you. You know, Matthew chapter six and Luke 11, we see the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, right? And we read, we read it a little different in Matthew six and Luke 11. In Matthew six, it says, forgive us our debts. Luke 11 says, forgive us our sins. See, to our God, everybody, sin and debt are the same. When we sin, we become indebted to God. And I think every single one of us can agree here that, that we are all keenly aware every single month what our financial bills are because they show up every month no matter what at your doorstep, yes or no? All right, we know our debts, but you know what we're very unaware of is our what? Our sin debts. Thank God that God doesn't send an angel and says, here you go, here's your bill for this month. Here's your debts. Not the past ones. We're talking about the last 30 days. It's a cycle, right? Colossians chapter 2, 13, 14 in the NCV translation says it this way. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. What does it say there? He canceled the debt. Yeah, all. Here you go. Left side's good. Everybody over here? He canceled the debt. He canceled my debt. He canceled your debt, which listed all the rules that we failed to follow. <laughs> How many rules? All the rules. That would have been perfect right there. I missed it. I missed it. So, so God has taken away the record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. So when we forgive everybody, when we forgive someone, we're, listen to this, listen to me. When we forgive someone, you're paying their debt. And don't miss this. It's going to cost you. This is where a lot of us, we, we don't like it. We don't like forgiving others because it costs us. It costs you when you have to forgive somebody, doesn't it? It hurts. Am I the only one that it hurt when I had to forgive my mother-in-law and my dad? Anybody else, does it hurt to forgive? It hurts. It hurts. You know, if your spouse is unfaithful to you, if a child is hooked on drugs and causes financial damage or, or, or physically somebody damages something or emotionally or verbally harms you, says something dumb or, or says good morning on the one-on-one freeway to you. <laughs> You're paying a great price by not saying good morning back to them. See, someone, everybody, needs to pay the price. It, it may cost you time. It may cost you energy. It may cost you money. That's called forgiveness because who taught us how to forgive? You can say it loud. Who? And did he pay just a, a, a portion of it? Did he call the collector and say, can I pay 30 bucks a month only for this? He said what? I'm paying it all. I'm paying it all for you. And here's the other thing. Jesus didn't seek vengeance on his enemies. Vengeance is when you make someone pay. Jesus' words said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And this is how Jesus treated us. So it's our turn, believe it or not, to pay a debt for the possibility, hear me out, 
Why do we need to do this, Pastor Juan? Because it's, it opens the possibility of that person you're forgiving to have a relationship with who? With Jesus. Hoping that they have this relationship ultimately with our Lord and Savior. Point number two, forgiveness is good for your health. Come on, somebody. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying this. The Mayo Clinic did a clinical study on forgiveness. They found that people that forgive, that let go of resentment, bitterness, and anger, it led to their improved health. Are you kidding me? I got forgive people and I feel better? I got more energy? Anybody want some more of that? Come on. Okay, right? Good for my health. People that forgive have less anxiety, stress, hostility, fewer symptoms of depression. Anybody want to get off their depression meds? Make a list of inventory and just say, I'm getting rid of this person, getting rid of this person, getting rid of that person, and even the doctor, right? I'm done. And you're going to wake up feeling better going, oh, that was interesting how I just, I feel better. Lower blood pressure, lower migraines, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, less heart attacks. Dr. Karen Swartz, director of of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic. That was long. Uh, Here's what she said. There is an enormous physical burden, hear me out, to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you in a fight or flight mode. That means you're constantly living in fight or flight, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Can you imagine that? Bottom line, everybody, unforgiveness physically kills you. Can I tell you something again, coming back from, from the recovery background, and not just recovery, but church itself. Let's, just, let's not divide the two. Let's just broken people are everywhere, hurting people are everywhere. You know what we do when we don't forgive? We self-medicate. This is where someone that's hurting because someone else hurt them says, you know what, I'd rather go and do drugs. I'd rather look at porn i rather escape, you name it, whatever your escapism is or your coping mechanism is, people do it. And so for the past 10 years, I've seen this happen. Hurt people, hurt people. Now, somebody may come to celebrate recovery and say, well, yeah, I'm here because of drugs and alcohol. That's really, that's what gets in, in that's what gets them in the door. But as soon as they start working the program, they figure out through the 12 steps, oh, the real reason I'm here and I use this stuff is because this is what happened and somebody hurt me. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's the real issue. But in order to avoid that and escape that and not feel that and not deal with that pain, I'm going to escape doing this. And man, I just want to talk to you right now for a minute. If you choose bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness, then... That's what you're modeling to your wife. That's what you're modeling to your children, to your grandchildren, your legacy, your extended family and friends, your coworkers. But man, if you choose forgiveness, you're discipling, the word is discipling. You're discipling your wife and kids to forgive. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've tried the other way. And in and, and, and my previous life, BC, before Christ, I used to sleep with one eye open and football pads on, bro. Because you don't want to sleep with a woman that isn't forgiving. And a cup. Okay. 
But after Jesus, let me tell you, I began to model forgiveness, I, I, not cancel culture, not estrangement, not bitterness, not, you know, not, not, not owning my mistakes, but owning them. And guess what they do now? They model it back because what I've done is I've created a safe environment for them to say, you know what, dad, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, I apologize. You know, I, I did this. Instead of hiding like in Genesis, right? We see Adam and Eve fail and what do they do? First thing they do, they go hide from the father. You create a safe place where there's accountability as well. So when we model and create an environment of forgiveness and model grace, you create a culture in your home, at work and with your friends, and here at church, you know what's, where's the best place to, to learn this stuff? I always tell people in CR that come to Celebrate Recovery, you know where you have more grace, you should, and you can mess up? It's here at church with your new family. We can practice this stuff here, all right, and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Hey, I offended you. I apologize. Or, hey, you, hey, you said this to me, or you, you said this. Hey, what did you mean by that? Because I got offended with that. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Go directly to the person. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if it's been 25, 30 years, or five years, or two weeks. It's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard. And that's why we need one another to help forgive one another. And so as I wrap up, I told you it was going to be short. (laughs) Instead of hiding everyone and lying and blaming others, I want to show you an example in the scriptures where it was modeled to us, obviously, aside from Jesus. It's in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, we see a guy named Stephen. And Stephen is, you know, the Bible tells us here that Stephen is a man, listen to this, a man full of God's grace and power, and he performed, he performed great wonders and signs. So was he filled with the Holy Spirit? just like you are, just like you are. And then there's, there's the bad guy, right? I love watching movies. There's the bad guy. His name is Saul of Tarsus, who is the zealous Pharisee that gives, he's the one that's going to give the ultimate order for Stephen to get stoned to death, right? More Pharisees pick up, you know, stones and, and, They've been bad-mouthing and uh, saying deceitful things about Stephen that he's been, you know, saying all kinds of blasphemous things. And Stephen, we read in the Bible, everybody, before he gets murdered, before he gets killed, he looks up into heaven, the Bible tells us. He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus. Watch this. He sees Jesus standing, don't miss this, on the right hand of the Father. I don't know about you guys, but every time I read everywhere else where Jesus is, he's what? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Don't miss that. And so this is the only time where we hear that Jesus is standing. I can only, I'm even getting goosebumps. Jesus going, good job, Stephen. Let him have him, boy. Let him have it. Forgive him. And Stephen is about to take his last breath and he remembers and he forgives those that are stoning him. He says, Lord, here's his words, Lord, do not hold this against them. 
Does that sound familiar, everybody? Stephen's, see, here's, here's my point. Stephen's words, forgiveness, has a profound impact, such a profound impact on Saul that this dude didn't even keep his name. He became Paul. Because he had his road to Damascus. He had his encounter with Jesus. But I guarantee you, he remembered at that point, he heard the words of Stephen. Forgive them. And so Paul, as we all know now, becomes the greatest evangelist, missionary, and church planter. And so here's my question. Why do I need to forgive? Because your words will, not can, will have an eternal impact on people. Your grace and mercy, even if you think it's undeserved, towards them, can and will lead them to Christ. Because if anything, my last point was that your forgiveness is a witness to people. And so is your lack of forgiveness. And I love what Pastor Ken, you know, has been teaching us to keep in our minds all the time three people to keep three people in our minds and hearts to invite to church. And can I say this to you right now? Whoever that person is that's come to your mind right now, that is the person that God the Father is telling you to forgive. It could be a spouse, it could be an ex. It could be a child of yours that is still doing what they're doing and causing you pain and anguish and lack of sleep. And I want you to implement, to apply these steps. And if you, if you haven't been able to do them by yourself, I listen to me, I understand. I completely understand and I empathize with you. But that's why Jesus called us into what? Community, to experience community together so you don't have to do this alone. You need others to come around you and encourage you, others to surround you with prayer, others to, to say, okay, Juan, you have to do this. And you're not alone. You can forgive. And so we're going to go into communion, but hang out. Wait, don't touch them. I know there's some of you in here that are struggling with forgiving yourself. And can I tell you something? I understand that too. You've heard a bit of my story. And you need to realize that God knows your story very well, just like he knew my story. But God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sins to pay the ultimate price, regardless of what you've done, regardless of the sin that you continue to fall into, that the enemy shames you with to say, you'll never get over this. And can I be honest with you? On your own, the enemy's right. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. You need power above and beyond your own willpower. And so, 
The elders will be up here to pray with you. I, I'm wearing a black shirt today for, you know, for Celebrate Recovery. We have some folks in the audience that have their CR shirts. They're going to be in the back in the prayer areas. If you want to confess your sins in a safe place with people that, that love you, people that understand that, that there's forgiveness only through Jesus Christ, and we're all fallen people. We said earlier that there's no perfect people allowed. Amen? None of us are perfect. And so go to these safe people because what is said here stays here. And Jesus already knows it, but he wants to forgive you for it. And so go pray with them. Now, for those of us that, that know Jesus, that have a relationship with him, I'll end with this. Romans 5.8 says that God showed his love. Listen to this. God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. No matter what you've done up to this point, if you ask God for forgiveness, repent from your sin and believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again, you will be forgiven and saved. Before you take communion, for those of us that believe, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you as, as your brother in Christ to say, this person's in my mind right now. God, give me the power to forgive them before I take communion with you today. We're not just going to fly by this and just do it because we do it as a church. I'm grateful we do as a church. But how, let me ask you this, how can you continue to take communion with Christ if you still have a sin unforgiveness towards someone that Jesus died for himself. Forgive, for you will be forgiven. When you're ready and you're forgiven, you take communion at your time and your pace as the worship team continues to play. Heavenly Father, I'll end with this and we'll pray. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we, can't, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But if we claim to be without sin, unforgiveness, right? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.